everyone. Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about how to manage a mature service organization. Uh, I'm joined by a friend of mine, David Douglas, who is the Vice President of Service Management at Scientific Games. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, David and I have known each other for uh, quite a long time now. Um, I, I first met him when I interviewed him for a cover story uh, on Field Technologies magazine, and, and we've stayed in touch ever since. So um, Scientific Games has a really interesting story of, of how they've continued to evolve um, the, the service operation. And, and I asked David to join us today to talk a bit about what that looks like for them and and some of the challenges to uh, managing a mature organization and and some of the ways that that they're tackling that. So, David, I would imagine one of the biggest challenges is that you know there's there's so much change going on in in service right now, right? And um, for a company that's been around for quite a long time, that can be particularly challenging. You know, you've you've done things a certain way for, for a long time. You've gotten really pretty good at what you're doing, um, but you are forced to continue to advance and evolve. So can you share with us a bit, how are you fostering a culture of continuous improvement at Scientific Games? Yeah, let me, can I give you a little, just an intro of, of uh, Scientific Games? Well, David, that would be a great idea. See, here I am. Uh, I'm very familiar with what you do, and I just skipped right over that. So yes, please give our listeners the intro to Scientific Games. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm, uh, I'm lucky enough to be, to be the leader of our, our lottery service, uh, service team, approximately uh, 450 uh, professionals, uh, including about 260 techs and depot techs, call center employees, field engineers, support staff, and uh, management team. Um, as a global leader in our gaming lottery industry, Scientific Games' mission is to uh, empower our customers by creating the world's best gaming and lottery experiences. So lottery games are one of the biggest consumer products on the planet. Um, they entertain and thrill players. And most importantly, they fund worthy causes like education, health, welfare, senior citizens, roads, bridges, and the economy. Uh, if you, so if you ever purchased a lottery ticket, uh, Powerball, Mega Millions, or a scratch ticket, it's probably through one of our uh, lottery terminals or, or systems. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So um, with that in mind, uh, that, that's kind of what you do and, and what the company does, which is great. Um, so going back to the question that I rushed right into, um, which is, you know, uh, the company has been doing this for, for quite a long time. Right. And so, um, you know, and I, I know you've made some great, great strides in in really getting the operation to be very efficient and and kind of a well-oiled machine, right? But you you can't just kick your feet up and and consider it a job well done. You have to to keep forging ahead. So, how what? are you <laughs> how are you fostering that culture of of continuous improvement? Yeah, well, I think we've done a a pretty good job of measuring our performance over the years uh, and diving into uh, problems and issues um, and actually pushing those back into the organization. We've, uh, we've been holding a problem management meeting for about the last 10 plus years. So on that call, we have field engineers, uh, service managers, corporate engineering, manufacturing software, uh, firmware folks. Um, 
and using our metrics that we that we collect in the field, um, taking those pain points that we identify um, from our terminals, our hardware communications, you know, those customer impacting pain points, we take that information and drive it back into our organization. And uh, we've been able to, you know, kind of change the culture. Um, since I've been here, I've been here 13 years and we've been, we've had these meetings for probably about 11 or 12, um, but taking that information and driving it back into the organization to, uh, you know, basically to not let the phone ring. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if customers aren't calling, then, you know, we're, we've been successful and we've been able to, uh, to kind of drive that over the years and, uh, and chip away at, you know, pain points, it's kind of a Pareto chart of, you know, what's causing the most pain and then try to tackle that uh, from, you know, all those different uh, aspects. Good. So for you personally, as, as the leader of service management, um, you know, I'm sure that you have on a daily basis, you know, urgent issues and, and fires to put out uh, yet you're still tasked with, you know, thinking, thinking ahead and, and, you know, thinking about what the future of the organization looks like and, and looking for ways to innovate. So how do you, how do you as a leader break from that day-to-day putting out fires to think outside the box and, and put on that more innovative hat? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've tried to structure my organization so I don't have to be in the day-to-day, um, especially as, you know, as mature as we are, or at least as I think we are. But I have I have three regional directors that handle most of the day-to-day, you know, fire, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and then I try to, you know, as you know, uh, t- attend these service conferences that it helps me kind of break away from my day-to-day and listen to, you know, what's going on in these conferences, talk to folks, figure out what they're doing, try to apply that to, to my organization, obviously listening to a uh, you know, podcast and uh, reading articles, um, all, all in an effort to, you know, continue that um, kind of thinking outside the box, figure out what, what new tools are out there. What, how can I apply them to, uh, to my organization? I've tried to challenge myself to develop, you know, strategic goals, document them, um, and then, you know, work them accordingly. Some of them, you know, takes years to accomplish. Our lottery contracts are, you know, five to 10 year contracts. So it's difficult to make quick changes, you know, in state government sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, um, I think a lot of the people that, that attend the conferences, you know, we've, um, we, we see each other at a few each year, you know, really find value in hearing how companies outside of their core industry are innovating, right? Because, you know, some of the, the restrictions you have um, on the government side, you know, that other companies don't have, you know, just what they're doing could be significantly different than what you're doing. But sometimes it just gives you that one light bulb moment of, oh, you know, there there's this little part of, of what they've done that I really like that I can take back to our company and, and make it my own. So I think, you know, one thing that, um, I think is helpful for people is, is to not just focus on the industry you're in to look for inspiration, but to really branch out to, to others as well. Yeah, absolutely. So from a technology standpoint, what have you adopted that's working well and what do you feel still needs to be tackled or is coming next? 
Yeah, Sarah, as you know, we've we've had a service management platform for, you know, 10 plus years, including GPS handheld devices, uh, GPS fleet, along with a very aggressive dynamic scheduling engine. And our, our dynamic scheduling in, in, engine is shuffling the deck. Um, it's taking every service call and basically applying business rules to each one of those, uh, including our preventative maintenance, and it routes a tech accordingly to the business rules we have for each each of our customers. It's measuring you know tech location, drive time, customer hours, customer sales, uh, SLA times, liquidated damages, skill sets, parts on hand, uh, among many other business rules, and picks a winner every three minutes. Um, for every service call in our queue. Uh, it's, it's not actually pushing that call down to that technician until the, until the technician actually clears that call that they're currently on. So we're getting the most, you know, hopefully best, um, best knowledge that we can to try to, try to minimize our, 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 or maximize our, our response time and minimize our, our, uh, our downtime. Um, so one of our call, one of our customers. I mean, you've heard me say this several times, but uh, has a 90-minute SLA to resolve, um, not show up, but actually get there and fix it. Um, or we're paying our customers back, um, you know, up to $120 an hour. Um, and it, if for some reason our systems are down, then it's uh, it can be up to $2,500 a minute. So we have a lot of redundancy built in our our communications protocols, uh, our systems, and our terminals. Uh, we also get a percent of sales, so it keeps us uh, motivated to uh, keep the equipment up and running the uh, best we can. I know. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's we're kind of used to it, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know which. But we also have, you know, we've, we set goals for our technicians, um, you know, average time on task. So each technician complete, uh, it's one of our focuses this year, so that we're trying to get one more job per day out of them. Um, to accomplish this, we built a, a scorecard that grades them um, based on different variables, but uh, such as how much time it takes them to complete a task. Uh, it takes in utilization, fleet driving habits, and quality, and kind of stack ranks them, rolls all that up based on weighted criteria, and actually provides them an overall um, score. So the manager's job is to kind of to, uh, to manage that outliers up and down, whoever's on the top or on the bottom and figure out, you know, how we can help improve our technicians performance. Okay. So what about what work is left to be done or, or what you see coming next, you know, looking down the road, um, from a technology standpoint? Yeah, we're we're trying to um, take advantage of of maybe a customer portal, uh, so to, to our, our retailers, customers can open up tickets um, by themselves. Uh, we're also looking at at AI, um, trying to figure out how we can get in front of our 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 clock, our service clock, our service level clock, I guess. Um, so right now we don't get. Uh, penalized until the retailer calls us or a customer calls us and tells us they have a problem. So we're trying to get, uh, trying to take data and and take advantage of that and try to pr- predictively um, figure out where we need to be when we need to be. So that's some of the some of the challenges we're working on. Good. Um, I know another aspect you said that was really really important in terms of um, you know continuing to improve in a mature service organization is 
the measurement of performance and aligning that tightly with the company objectives. So tell the listeners a bit about what that means. And if you have any, you know, tactical advice you can share on how you're doing that, that would be excellent. Yeah. I mean, each year we establish internal performance service goals, try to align those with our company goals. um, And then we try to meet or, you know, extend them. Um, based on how we're how we're tracking against them, but we're you know I mentioned the the tech performance against organizational goals. Uh, we've got you know operational KPIs that we measure against, um, and then rolling that all into a, you know this dashboard that we've that we've rolled into for our, our techs is is helped us, um, and it's I think it's helping the techs as well, so they can kind of understand how much time they should be spending versus how much time they are spending on, on certain tasks. Uh, we're also working on developing um, key uh, de- depot operational metrics. We haven't, uh, we haven't really focused on the depot techs um, to the same degree that we have on our field techs. So that's, that's one of the, one of the efforts that's kind of been on the list for several years, but uh, mm-hmm. we're trying to make some progress on. Okay. What advice do you have for um, the folks listening on, you know, what what you think helps you measure performance effectively? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, we've I mentioned the, our problem management. I mean, the data that we get uh, from our system um, and how we've aligned those da- the data and the reporting pieces of that data has helped us manage. Um, the, the problems that I mentioned earlier that we that we all you know meet on a weekly basis and review and kind of drive that back into uh, into the organization. But we're striving to use machine learning and advanced analyt- analytics to uh, discover hidden pan- patterns in our in our service uh, sales and terminal performance. That's obviously one of the if we can if we can get to that point, I think we can uh, we can really uh, get in front of all, all of our service um, pain points um, more proactively. Mm-hmm. Good. So you mentioned data a couple times um, and obviously, you know, data is more important than it's ever been and it's only going to become more important. Um, so what are some of the ways that you are adapting to that? I know a, a lot of organizations are talking about, you know, the, the type of, of skills it takes to handle the volume of data that, that they have today and, you know, the ways to really um, parse what's important and actionable out of all of the data that they're gathering. Um, so what does that look like for scientific games? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's clunky at, at, uh, at best right now. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to understand what the data is. Um, you know, trying to trying to measure that, um, get it into you know cloud computing, so we can actually you know do some correlation between the three data sets that I mentioned: our, our service data, our sales data, and our um, it's called Raven Web, but it's a it's looking at all of our terminal performance and our communication performance. So trying to correlate those three data sets and uh, identify actionable service visits out of that has been a big challenge. We've been working on that for several years and uh, it, we just, we can't get over the hump to understand we've, you know, we, we've got some data scientists on staff that are, that are now starting to look at that. And I'm hoping over the next year, we can actually make some really good progress um, 
to uh, to get to a prescriptive model versus, mm-hmm. you know, we're always just reactionary um, based on, you know, waiting for the retailer to call us. Um, yeah. So I think that data is going to be, you know, it's it's obviously very important to us and we're trying to understand it and turn it into something actionable. Yeah. I think that data scientist role is is going to be critical going forward, you know. Um Absolutely. like you talk about the the concept of AI taking jobs away from, you know, field service. I think that you know, it, it, I th- I think it'll be quite a long time before that that really really happens, but I think that there's, you know, there's so much opportunity to sort of um plug people in in, in other places because you know, the needs aren't decreasing, they're just changing. Um, so, all right. So what about, um, customer demands? You know, you, so you've been doing what you're doing for quite a long time. Um, so how have, have customer demands and expectations, you know, evolved and expanded? Um, and, and how do you see this changing going forward? Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, our customers are, are very demanding, obviously, um, like anybody else's. Um, but we're, we're trying to focus on our knowledge management um, from uh, for our technicians. So, again, kind of focus back on trying to get one more service visit, you know, a day. If, if we can do that, then obviously that, you know, the, the customer experience uh, is enhanced by doing that. Uh, we, we've got a program called uh, Knowledge Smart. Um, and I think the benefits from, from uh, focusing on this will in- increase employee satisfaction and retention. Um, by, you know, what we're trying to do is take, knowledge, or take the documents that the technicians need and tie it right into the actual service ticket. So, um, so if they're working on a, we'll just say a self-service terminal, um, the, 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 if we open up a ticket against that self-service terminal, there'll be documentation tied to that specific asset that will be beneficial to, uh, to the technician. Um, we're hoping, again, that it, it improves the customer experience um, so they're not scrambling around going out to the van looking for, you know, how to fix something or picking up the phone, calling our, our, our depot techs. Um, but I also think it, you know, like most service organizations, I know it's been talked about quite a bit, but, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be losing, you know, a lot of talent over the next, you know, five to 10 years. So if we can build, you know, this document or these documents um, and put it where they actually need it, should uh, it should help us with just the learning curve of the new technicians, um, you know, given the exact information they need right where they need it. Um, I think that's that hopefully as a focus and hopefully it all ties back into, you know, providing better customer, um, customer experience. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. Um, is when you look at a mature service organization, um, you know, you think about the tribal knowledge that your technicians have, um, and that's just something that, you know, the longer you've been around and, and have been doing what you're doing and doing it well, the greater that that knowledge is. Right. And so, um, you know, I think it's just a really good point to bring up that, you know, people managing a mature operation really need to be thinking about, you know, how have we future proofed ourselves for when this wave of folks uh, retire? You know, I mean, um, because it, it's it's something that you have to get ahead of, right? I mean, there's no way to go back and, and do it, 
retrospectively. You really need to be planning ahead and, you know, thinking about the different ways and, and the right approach for your business to capture that knowledge and, and make it consumable for the people that are ultimately going to be replacing them. So I think yeah. that's a great point. It also ties back to one thing I forgot to mention was, you know, based on this document, we're actually telling them, you know, follow these procedures, step this, do this, change this, you know, swap this. But also um, at the end of it, it's telling them what codes to use. We have cause codes and and resolution codes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with 200 and some technicians all over the place, they're all, you know, picking a different code, you know, based on what they're doing. So hopefully it will help our data. if they follow the process, um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to give us more accurate information on, uh, on the data side. So we can, uh, we can pinpoint where the pain is actually coming from and why. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Good. So, um, last question for you for today is, you know, um, so you've been at this a while and I would think that, you know, you may have days where it just feels, um, like Groundhog's Day. So uh, I'm just curious how you yourself, you know, how do you stay motivated to lead your team to success when you've been been doing this for, for quite a while? Yeah, it, uh, it hasn't been a problem as of yet. I mean, it's based on all the opportunities we have ahead of us. It's mm-hmm. been a really exciting industry. You know, I've been in it for 30 plus years, you know, worked all over the world. Um, but we have, you know, sports betting coming down the pack, you know, path, uh, enter I, I lottery, kind of like internet wagering mm-hmm. and many other yeah. opportunities kind of on the roadmap that we're, you know, we're always trying to figure out how to stay in front of and, you know, keep, keep it fresh. Well, I've learned over the years that success, you know, for many of our teams depends on the leadership of the organization. And it's important to note that the leadership is an enabler of any type of change. Uh, I've tried to express with my team to take time to explain the why for the change um, and how that's going to benefit the the end user in order to try to get their their buy-in. My my message to my team is, you know, we continue to knock down barriers for our technicians and our staff members so they can conduct their job, you know, more efficiently and effectively um, in an effort to... uh, to create a better working environment. Um, and hopefully it all translates to, uh, to better customer service. Good. Good. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for, for joining today and, and sharing a bit about your story and, and how you're managing a mature service organization. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and I appreciate you sharing some time with us today. You as well. Thank you for having me. Of course. For more information on service leadership, managing change, innovating, and all other things service, you can check out some of our content at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions at www.ifs.com. As always, thanks for listening.